I was quickened by something I read in First Samuel and how, uh, how it can re- relate to our day and, and to the last days as we're touching on in our series. And it has to do with the, the story of Hannah, the mother of Samuel. And if you remember her story, well, it actually starts with Elkanah, her husband. You know, Elkanah had two wives. And if you read the story, you know that there was some strife in his household. Maybe the, the two wives thing was because of that. But, uh, but he had the two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. And, you know, Peninnah had children, but Hannah didn't. And Peninnah kind of held it over her and tormented her. It actually says in, in 1 Samuel uh, 1.6, it says, Peninnah was an adversary who provoked her sore in order to make her miserable uh, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And, you know, so that kind of tells you what kind of person Peninnah was. She teased and tormented Hannah, um, which, which could be a type of the spirit of this world and this age. And so Hannah had to face that, you know, that spirit that looks down upon believers because they're looking with natural eyes and, you know, we're not searching and seeking natural things. We're looking for spiritual things that they can't see. And, you know, they look down on believers for that. But, you know, this did something in Hannah. It produced something in her, caused her to do something. It caused her to cry out to God for a miracle. You know, she just went to the Lord. Lord, I need a miracle. I need you to intervene in this situation. And so she sought the Lord quite desperately as you read in the story of how she went to the temple or to the tabernacle at that point and was just pouring out her heart before the Lord. And God granted her request and gave her a son. And his name was Samuel. And she gave Samuel back to the Lord by allowing him to serve uh, Eli, the high priest, all, all basically all the days of his life, kind of gave him back to the Lord uh, and he became the judge of Israel eventually and a prophet and a great man of God in that sense. You know, Samuel's day can, can also be a mirror uh, for us. We see a reflection of our day in the description. You know, there was great wickedness in the land and not just in the land in the sense of like, wicked people around them, but there was wickedness in Israel, wickedness in the people of God, even up to the very top, right? Because we read of how Eli, the high priest, I mean, he, he in himself was, uh, he had righteousness, he, he respected God in that sense, but yet his sons committed iniquity and he did not correct them. He let it keep going on and that polluted the work of God and the holiness of God in the, in the congregation and allowed wickedness to come in. And, and even though they were the people of God, they, they ceased to really know and respect his ways. Because we can read the story how they, they took the most holy object, the ark, and used it for their own purposes. And they lost it to the, you know, they lost the presence of God to the enemy. The enemy conquered them. And that's kind of was a sign of where they were. They, they had lost a respect and a connection and a communion with the Lord. 
So Samuel lived in that kind of a day. Uh, there weren't a lot of people seeking the Lord. And you, it actually says that 1 Samuel 3.1, where it describes that day. It says, Samuel was, the, was a boy ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare or precious in those days. There was no frequent vision. Right? There wasn't a lot of people hearing from God and, and proclaiming it and responding and obeying God. That was a rare thing for people to, to say, yeah, I hear from God. And, and if you think about that, that's kind of rare today too. There's lots of people that can talk about God and have opinions about God and have theology that they say is about God. But Samuel developed a hearing ear to hear from God, to hear his voice, to seek him, to ask of him and, and receive from him. And perhaps uh, Samuel, his name is kind of a, it, it speaks to us of maybe the impartation he got from his mom, Hannah. Samuel's name means asked of God, asked of God. And that Hannah made that request. She came to God and had faith to ask for something, you know, for her womb to be opened and for God to give her a son. And he was a godly man, but maybe he got that impartation of going to God and asking and having a communion relationship with him. The faith to go and hear from heaven, that heaven would respond. And so Samuel developed that hearing ear, and it was in a day when it was precious and rare. And I think we're in a similar position as Samuel, as I mentioned, there's your, uh, there are lots of people who talk about God, talk about religion and so forth, but to find people in our society who can seek God and hear from him and proclaim, you know, God is leading me in this way is a more rare thing than we would like to, to say. But as we're going to see, it's something that God desires for his people and he wants to have established in each of our, our lives. I want to look at another. We've looked at Samuel and, and Hannah. I want to look at one more person in Scripture and how their name can speak to us in this concept of hearing, hearing the voice of the Lord and, and making our petition of heaven and so forth. In Luke chapter 2, Joseph and Mary are coming to the temple to present their new child, Jesus, who is the Messiah. And they're going to come to the temple and they're making the prescribed uh, offerings for him as, as each uh, you know, Jewish couple were to do for newborn children. And as they came to the temple, a man named Simeon came up to meet them. And he had something that was probably quite surprising. Well, they already knew that Jesus was the Messiah, but yet for someone to come up and say what he did was probably like, wow, what a confirmation. But in Luke 2.25, it says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so here was Simeon, quite old, you know, waiting for the, for the promise that God had spoken to him that he would see the Messiah before he died. Now, the thing to understand is that many people were waiting 
to see the Messiah. In fact, all of Israel was, you know, kind of, when is the Messiah going to come and set us free from Roman oppression and, and so forth? So many were waiting, but he got the promise from heaven. He would see the Messiah. Well, actually, everyone in Israel saw the Messiah. But he's the one who heard from heaven and recognized who he was. And so who knows how long he waited? You know, if, if you've, you know, sought the Lord for something and you've gotten an answer, sometime you learn from that an answer does not meet an answer from heaven, a word from heaven does not meet an immediate answer to what you're seeking him for. So who knows how long he had that promise and was holding on to that. I suspect for years where he was just being faithful, waiting day after day, going to that temple saying, Lord, when is, when is your Messiah going to come? When am I going to see him? Will I see him set our nation free? I, I wonder if he understood before that day that he would see the Messiah as a baby. I don't know. We'll have to ask him in heaven. But here he has, but, but what sets Simeon apart is his ability to hear from heaven and to trust and wait upon God to lead him and guide him. You know, he was on the cusp of a, a new dispensation, transferring from the old covenant to the new covenant. And he's a type of, of who God desires re to reveal himself to. Because we also are on the cusp of a, of a change from, you know, you could say the new covenant, the, the age of the church to the age of Christ when he returns and establishes his kingdom upon earth. But he's also looking for Simeons who can wait upon him for his second coming, his second return. And, and what do they need to be like? They need to be like Simeon who can hear from heaven. Many people saw Jesus as the baby, a baby in that temple, but only a few recognized him. Anna, who was a prophetess, she was another person who recognized Jesus. And, and as those two, you know, we also, we wait, as it said, for the consolation of Israel, for God to do something new in our day. Like Simeon, we're not content to meet the Lord in the same way, but we want to meet him afresh as he desires to move in our day and in the days to come. But how can we do that? By hearing him. You know, the ability to hear the voice of the Lord is, is what sets those apart, uh, sets apart those who meet the Lord from those who miss the Lord, right? There were many in Israel who were looking for the Messiah, but they missed him because they could not hear and recognize what God was saying in their day. I don't think I put it in my notes, but I should have. Simeon's name means hearing, by the way, if I didn't say that. I thought I had put it in there. Must have just tucked it away in my brain. All right, so Simeon, he was one who could hear the Lord. And because of that, he met the Lord. You know, but unlike Simeon, who only had one opportunity at the very end of his life 
to meet the Lord, we have an infinite number of opportunities. Well, let me rephrase that. Infinite meaning we have many opportunities. Who knows how, long, how many we have because our days are numbered by God, not by us. But we have many opportunities to meet with the Lord in this life. Right? Because His mercy is new every morning and He speaks to us day by day because we can feed daily upon His manna. And so we have so many opportunities, but yet we must be able to, to hear Him and respond to Him. Jesus said in John 10 that He's the good shepherd. John 10 and verse 2, He says, But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Verse 3, To him the porter or the watchman opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. That's the desire of the good shepherd. He's showing us an example of, of what he wants to do. He wants to call out to us so that we hear his voice and we respond to him and we follow him out to green pastures and still waters so he can restore our soul and show us goodness and mercy all the days of our life and dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, all the good things that the good shepherd wants to do. But yet we recognize it's his sheep that have to hear his voice and respond to him. I'm always going to have a mental picture in my mind of, of my parents and their farm and they had, they had a flock of sheep and, you know, when the, whenever they would go out there and it was time to do something with the sheep, they would just say, here sheep. They could be scattered somewhere or off in a, in a corner and, and they would just come as a, as a troop, come running and just surround whoever was calling them, either my mom or dad. And, you know, they knew their voice and would just come, come running. And, you know, I want that to be representative of my life, that if God says, here, Daniel, that I perk up something in my spirit, maybe not my natural ears, but in my spirit, oh, God is saying something. And, you know, sometimes it's not clear and we need to go and get clarity and get down in our secret place and say, Lord, what do you, what do you want to say? Lead me. And we notice it says the sheep hear his voice. It's not the little lambs. The little lambs, you know, if when when the shepherd calls out, the little lambs, they might hear something, but they they follow, but they go because they see mom and dad going, and then they trot along after them. They where where's everyone going? We're gonna follow them. You know, so they all follow the shepherd, but it's the sheep that hear his voice. And so when we're first, you know, growing in the Lord or at whatever stage we're at, we realize there's a progression. It's not something that we just turn on or receive an anointing for in that sense of that it happens immediately, but it's, it's a, a growth to where we have to say, Lord, teach me to hear your voice. Teach me to, to recognize your voice because Jesus said there's many voices in the world. And so we have to recognize and, and learn it and it takes time, it takes experience, many experiences of crying out to God and, and asking Him to speak to us and then discerning whether it's, it's the Holy Spirit or something else, our spirit or another spirit. But God desires us to hear Him. We sure do appreciate godly leadership 
who can hear from him. And we appreciate the leaders in our fellowship, in Zion Fellowship, who can hear from God and you can ask counsel and so forth. But yet we realize as well that God desires that of each of us. He wants us to be sheep in his flock who hear his voice, recognize it. It also says in verse 4, John 10 and verse 4, it says, When he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They recognize it. You know, that's the kind of relationship that we can develop with our shepherd, our good shepherd. That he he goes before us, and what are we following? We're following his voice. We're not necessarily following, he doesn't, you know, promise that we can follow his glory or his power. It's his voice speaking to us. He leads us by his voice. Sometimes that's all we have. You know, I heard a story of a pastor, and, and this was kind of back in the, in the charismatic movement, but uh, the Lord spoke to a minister in one country to go to another, travel to another country to minister, and, and this, this pastor didn't have any money, but the Lord said, go to, go to the airport. And he went to the airport, okay, Lord, uh, get in line. Okay, Lord, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to say to him when I get to the counter. And, and just as the, the person in front of him, the man in front of him, was about to go to the, to the counter and check in, he turned around to the pastor and he said, you know what? I can't use this. I have to go. Do you want my ticket? Sure. And it was to the, to the place he, he need, God was calling him to go. And he went there and, and was able to, to minister. I don't know how he got home. I guess it happened again for him to get back. But, you know, this is kind of a radical illustration. Um, you know, but you know, maybe it's an example of what God will do when he's moving, that he'll provide a way, or maybe even better, if it's the, the last days, or maybe he'll even, we have faith to be translated places, bypass the whole uh, airport. Wouldn't that be nice? But, uh, but you know, I think that it's, it's an example of how God wants to, us to recognize his voice, because you know what? If we want to be preserved in the last days, we're going to have to be able to hear his voice. Don't go here. Avoid that. That's dangerous today. And so we have to be become those mature sheep that hear his voice. Sometimes we have trouble because of the nature of the Lord's voice. Or maybe we're looking for his voice in one place when really it's in another. We know that from Elijah's experience on the mountain. Remember First uh, Kings 19 where Elijah's on the mountain and he's looking for, for something from God. He's discouraged and he's, you know, just say, Lord, I need to meet with you. And, and his voice, it wasn't in the strong wind. It wasn't in the earthquake. It wasn't in the fire. But then there was a still small voice and that's where God was speaking to him. And the key in learning God's voice is hearing him in the still small situations. You know, that's such a key that we learn him, learn his voice now in these small situations. You sure don't want to learn it when you're in the fire and the earthquake, because it's kind of hard to hear the still small voice when you're in those. And then you usually have to go to 
<laughs> someone spiritual because <laughs> you're in it and you can't hear the still small voice. You have to go to someone who can. George Mueller used to say that before we can meet God for the great provision, he knew, he knew what great provision was to meet, to have God give great provision. But he said, before you can do that, you have to meet him in the small. He learned to trust God for his day-to-day -day expenses for himself before he could learn to trust God for the thousands of, well, he was in England, pounds he needed for, to care for those, all those orphans. In Romans 10, it tells us how we hear. Romans 10, 17, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can't really separate hearing God's voice from his written word in that sense because that's the language he speaks to us through. You know, I, I firmly believe the more you immerse yourself in the, the word and then in the language and the vocabulary of that, the more you will recognize the voice of the Lord, because that is how he speaks. Now, Scripture tells us the ability to hear comes from one source, the Word of God. And there's really two keys, you could say, well, two main keys. There's probably many aspects, but uh, of, of learning his voice. And the first is to immerse yourself in the Word of God. You know, there's something about the word that even just reading it, even just letting it get into your, your heart and your mind and your spirit, that it awakens us to the voice of the Lord. Sometimes if we, if we don't, if we go without reading the Bible, you know, we just get dull. We get dull because of the world around us and the spirit of this age. But when we come again to the word, and sometimes after a big lapse, you come again to the word and it's like, it doesn't even make as much sense until you get into it and let the Spirit of God wash you, and then you become awakened again. And it's so vital that we, we come to the Word of God as often as we can and because it awakens us to the kingdom of God. It awakens us to the voice of the Lord. David said in Psalm 40 in verse 6, sacrifice and offering... The Lord has not desired my ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you haven't desired. Then I then said, I lo, I come in the volume of a book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, oh my God. Your law is within my heart. You know, David said, Lord, you've opened up my ears. In the Hebrew, it, it has that thought of digging out, right? You get a shovel or you get a pickaxe and you're just digging out because there's a blockage. And that's what we're born with, those blockages of hearing God, and he has to open up our ears. And David, by giving himself to the law, to the word of God, and delighting in that, his ears were open to hear in a new way. And I mentioned George Mueller. He had orphanages in uh, Bristol, England. And at the height of his orphanage, uh, he, he took care of 2,000 children. And, and this was in the 1800s, so taking care of 2,000 children. And he didn't have, you know, a big trustee and endowments and, you know, or government funding. He literally lived by faith day to day to feed 2,000 children. I, that, to me, is just 
awe-inspiring to have that kind of faith and relationship of trust in the Lord to feed them day by day. And he had lots of stories of provision and in, in when you read his, his account. But his testimony, something that stuck out to me about his testimony, he said that for the first four years of his Christian life, he said he rarely touched the Bible. He, he just didn't read the Bible very much. Um, and there came a point when the Lord drew him to the scriptures and he started to grow. He said, by leaps and bounds, as soon as he, he gave himself. And he looked back on his life and he lamented uh, that he said, I neglected the source of divine wisdom and strength, which caused me to remain so long in spiritual infancy. Yeah, so he regretted that even to the end of his days. But, you know, because there's power in, in giving ourselves continually to the Word of God, especially if we study it and immerse ourselves in it. We might not understand everything. I mean, even, even today, even you could say whoever is the best scholar, there's things that God has not even yet revealed to us about the last days. I mean, we can read it and we can surmise, but we're not really going to understand it till we're in it. And we see how God's revealing how he's going to reveal himself to us and to the church and what he's going to do. God has, still has a lot to say to his people. But as we do that, something takes place in our hearts. You could say the deeper we get, get into the word, the deeper we can get into the things of the kingdom of God. And so one of the main things we want to do is give ourselves to his word. Another aspect of his word is that he wants to speak specifically to us about our lives and our situation. Matthew 4 and verse 4. But Jesus answered, and this is to when he was, he was being tempted in the wilderness, and he answered Satan, and he said, It's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, present tense, out of the mouth of God. We live by every word God is speaking day by day to our lives. You know, He desires to speak to us. We can see this from Israel's journey. You know, God could have provided them food in any way. He could have, he could have sent quails every day to fall down in their camp and they would have gone to get the quails or any sort of birds or any, any food. But instead, He had manna fall from heaven and it formed on the grass like the dew, and they picked it up every morning, and they took it home. And then they didn't have enough for tomorrow. They had to go back out afresh. And, you know, God did that as an illustration to us. He fed millions in the desert for 40 years that way as a picture of how he desires us to come to him every day. Yesterday's provision is not good enough. In fact, if they if they relied upon it, even just the day before it got all moldy and it stank, you know, and then they, they couldn't let it hold over. They had to come today. And of course, Jesus said, or it says, today, if you'll hear my voice. And so we can come to him each day and rely upon him to feed us. And in, in so doing, he opens our ear to hear his voice. One of my favorite verses on, on hearing his voice is in Isaiah 50 and verse 4. And, and the latter part, just 
that applies here. It says, he awakens my ear morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. You think about that. You can hear something, but Jesus, his desire is that we hear as the learned, as those who can hear and understand and receive it and walk in it, to hear as those who are skillful in hearing his voice. Awakened means to, to stir up, to move out of position. He awakens, he stirs me up through his word to walk in his way. And you know, how, how easy is it for us to, to become stationary, sedimentary? We like to put our easy chair up and sit there for a while, but we have to be careful in our relationship with God of doing that. Sometimes we have to be stirred up. And God will do that through his voice, but then if we don't hear his voice, he'll do it in other ways. You know, he might bring us into situations that seem tumultuous, but they can cause us to stir ourselves up as we cry out to God. You know, I think Hannah was being stirred up. I mean, in, in her soul, she was troubled by what Peninnah was saying, but in a sense, God was stirring her up to cry out to God and believe for a mighty miracle. And that miracle produced a son who was Samuel. God wants to stir us up because he wants to bring us higher as he did with Israel. Deuteronomy 32, 11 says, as an eagle stirs up her nests and flutters over her young and spreads abroad her wings and taketh them and bears, her, bears them on her wings, so the Lord alone did he lead them. You know, he bore them up on eagle's wings, as it also says. You know, the way... To fly is to be stirred up each morning and say, Lord, would you lead me by your voice? Cause me to hear your voice. And then he will launch us out of our nest. Sometimes, sometimes that's easy. Sometimes it's scary. But his purpose is to lead us higher. I'll close with one last illustration here from the, the scriptures. And, and it was, I just wanted to consider in closing those, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. You remember those two after Jesus has died and the they do not yet know about the resurrection. They only know about the crucifixion and they're on the road out of Jerusalem to Emmaus. And in Luke 24, 28, it says, they drew near unto the village uh, where they went and, he, and Jesus, as he was there, he made as though he would have gone farther. You know, they were talking to him before. They didn't realize who he was. Verse 29, but they constrained him and said, well, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And so Jesus appeared to these disciples was, was, was talking to them about uh, the scriptures and so forth. They didn't yet realize who he was. And what's interesting is these, these disciples were headed the wrong way. They were, they were headed away from what Jesus was about to do. He was about to appear to the disciples and, and he had a plan and a purpose for them and they were going the other way. Yet he had spoken to them unawares. They hadn't realized it yet. And they constrained him. They heard good things about of, of what God was doing. They wanted to hear more. And because of their importunity, he stayed with them a little longer. 
And in verse 30, it says, And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us in the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? You know, these disciples, even though they were headed the wrong way, they, they, they didn't quite know the right way to go, you could say. But they made time to hear from the Lord. They made time to hear from someone they recognized was, was sharing the truth. And that's when they had a revelation of the Lord. Their importunity, you could say. And there, of course, there's you know, the parables of importunity and seeking God. But it can play a large role in how much we meet with the Lord, right? When we make time and we keep on asking, we ask, Lord, would you meet with me in this way? And we don't get the, we don't get the answer right away. And we don't understand why there's a delay. And we don't understand the situation we're in, but we keep on asking. And even if we're lacking in areas, maybe we're weak in a certain area, or maybe we don't know exactly the way to go. What can make the difference is our consistent seeking and asking. And so we want to approach the Lord. Lord, would you speak to me? Lord, would you reveal yourself to me? Lord, even, Lord, give me a desire to do what you're asking me to do or go in the right way. And he's ever gracious to stay with those and meet with those who desire to meet with him. I have one last verse. Proverbs 20, verse 12. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made even both of them. The ability to hear and see things in the kingdom of God are purely from the Lord, and he desires to give them to us. And so as we're considering how to prepare our hearts for the last days and how we can follow him today, we can remember Samuel. You know, Samuel, whose name means asked of God. Hannah made her petition to God. She didn't know what the answer would be or how that would work out, but she made it. And God heard her cry and granted it. You know, and Samuel became one who learned to ask of God and hear his voice in a day when it was rare and precious. Not unlike our day. But yet God is calling us to be like Samuel or to be as Simeon, whose name means hearing. God wants to reveal himself to us as the consolation of Israel. He wants to reveal himself to his people in our day as he will through the whole earth. But he's looking for those who will make themselves ready, who will respond when he, is, when, when he wants to reveal himself and we can do so as we give ourselves to his word, as we learn to hear and obey his still small voice and respond to him as the sheep of his pasture. And in so doing, we can become ones like Simeon who will behold him when he comes again. Father, we just thank you for your word and your precious promises to us and your heart towards us. Lord, that you desire to have that that hearing relationship, Lord, where you hear us, you hear our cry and our petitions, but then, Lord, you desire us to hear your voice. 
And Lord, we just long to come into that. Lord, would you open our ears? As David said, Lord, would you dig out our ears to hear you? Would you draw us afresh? Lord, make us the sheep of your pasture that would hear your voice and respond to you and follow you. Oh, Lord, make us a people who will ever uh, hear and respond to the Holy Spirit, to what the Spirit is saying today. Make us those who would feed upon that precious manna morning by morning. Oh, Lord, and respond to you and follow you, we ask. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.